My name is John, and I come from the state of Wisconsin. And I'm so old that my 16 credit hours were $96 a semester. <laughs> and the books are free. So that's a long time back. I was raised in a, a, a Pentecostal church. I went to church all the time, but I had to decide myself, not my folks' reputation, not all the time that I'm in church. I had to decide if Jesus was my Savior, and I had to realize that um, I was far from him, and I needed, I needed salvation. And so that means I needed to repent, and I needed a Savior. And that was Jesus. And then I remember being baptized in a lake with all my clothes on and people out there water skiing. And I'm sure they're wondering, what are these people doing walking in the lake with all their clothes on? And, and then for my background, uh, I think I was a senior in high school. And I went to his Christmas vacation. And I was just hungry for God. I didn't do real well in school. I uh, never did do well in school. And I didn't do a lot of activities at high school. Uh, and I struggled with my self-image, especially when you're the last person picked for Sandlot baseball. And they get down and, okay, come on over here. And that really doesn't do a lot for you. But... I remember going to church at Christmas time, vacation, and I went to the pastor. We had a Sunday morning, Sunday evening services in that in those days, and I said to pastor, "I would like the keys to the church." And he said, "You want the keys to the church?" I said, "Please." Why? I said, "I am going to stay here through my Christmas vacation till I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit." And I don't know how long that'll take, but I got two weeks. So uh, I wore my old clothes tonight because I get tired of kneeling. I just lay down on the floor. And nobody knocked me over. Nothing like that happened. It's not craziness. I'm just hungry for God. So I won't even try to defend or define or anything. I was just hungry for God. And God doesn't give stones. He gives bread. God doesn't give death. He brings life. God is light. He's not darkness. God is peace, he's not fear, and I needed. I knew I needed God. And that's even a gift, to know that I need God, and that I even have the faith to believe that there is a God, a God that can help me, loves me, and wants to uh, me to live with him for the rest of his life in heaven, which is a real long, 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 long time. And this life is real, real short, because I'm at the end of my life. Okay? I'm less than two years from being 80 years of age. I am at the end of my life. And my life went by really fast. And I remember being your age when I paid $96 a semester to go to college, university. And I looked back and I said, what, am I, what did I do with my life? And uh, there's a judgment seat of Christ in heaven, the Bible says, and at your feet will be uh, wood, hay, and stubble, which is your life that's not given to God. That's it's all pretty useless stuff. It's that cold heart. It's that uncaring heart. 
it said, uh, me on the throne instead of God. And underneath all of that is uh, gold, silver, and precious stones. And um, I think he's going to stand in front of me because I, 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 I knew a man that had a vision of him standing before God, before Jesus in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. And he had eyes like burning coals of fire. And, and, the, and the lady next to him, he was a pastor's kid from Pennsylvania, and he actually became the national director of Chi Alpha, uh, what Scott Martin does, if you know any of that stuff. And his name is Rick Howard, and he's written a book about this, The Judgment Seat of Christ, published by Baker Books. And um, uh, an, an old uh, lady, a uh, wonderful saint in the church, and he was a pastor's kid, and he's sitting in the back row, slumped over with his arms folded like, you know, yeah, you're looking at me, and you're right. I do not want to be here. But I thank you that you wanted to be here tonight. I thank you. And so uh, one Sunday night, he said, uh, the pastor gave, his dad gave a call to come to what we call an altar, really some steps here by this platform, but it's a place where you can kneel and you can pray. And, uh, and he invited people that uh, wanted to pray to come to the front. You can pray sitting there as well. Come to the front and kneel. And the old lady saint came uh, to Rick and said, Ricky, uh, tonight's your night. And he said, I knew in my heart this was my night. I felt that if I didn't make the right decision here, that maybe God would just withdraw his asking me. I said, and he said, I went with her to the front. And he gave his life to Christ. And now at this time, he was a director for Youth for Christ in Memphis, Tennessee, when he had this vision. So standing there, uh, by him in this vision he had was this lady. And well, I'll never forget this. Jesus stood in front of her and he said he had eyes like blazing coals of fire. And he said, uh, like that, the wood hand stubble that was at her feet was burned up to reveal a heap of gold, silver, and precious stones. And he said, she knelt down and put her hands in that and picked it up and gave it to Jesus. What an image. He said, I had another friend there. And um, when, the wood, when, the, when the fire hit the wood, hay, and stubble, he was in heaven next to me, but he had nothing at his feet. And then he said, Jesus came and stood before me. And, of course, is the vision lifted. He lives today in Houston, Texas. He's from California, born in Pennsylvania. And he said, I, I don't know because he's still alive and it's still in process. And I just never forgot that, that vision I heard 50 years ago at a Chi Alpha meeting that we had out in Hungry Horse, Montana. So uh, I was at the altar uh, praying, and people were praying, and it's, a, it's a quiet, it's loud, it ebbs and flows. And when you're at the altar, uh, often, I remember this, you would kneel, we, we'd all come to the front or to the front chairs, and we'd, we'd kneel down and pray. 
And after about a few minutes, I'm kneeling there, and then I start looking at my watch, and I start kind of peeking to see if people aren't still there or if they're leaving. And you, and, and your flesh says, oh, that's enough of that. But the Spirit says, stay. And a bunch go, and it gets less and less. But yet somehow you feel, stay. And I stayed. And, um, and uh, it's not so easy to do that. But after all, you should be there praying for other people, for other nations, for yourself, worshiping God. There's a lot of reasons what you're at the altar. And, uh, or you might even pray for somebody else, maybe. And some people do that. But I stayed. And then people started to realize I was, I was worshiping God and, and I was seeking this wonderful prayer language from the Holy Spirit. And uh, people started kind of uh, hollering in my ear and their whole, and their, uh, got their hands on my arms and I'm, and I'm about 17 years old and I'm just saying, leave me alone. Just leave me alone. You know, I'm not in any trance. I'm, I'm very well aware of what's going on and just... So finally, I just laid down. You get them, get them, get them off me. And uh, it wasn't long, and, and I, I didn't need the keys to the church. And uh, I, I was just overwhelmed by this. Uh, you're, 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 not, you're not hallucinating. You're not, it's nothing crazy going on. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I was just filled with a love and worship for God. And all of a sudden, I'm speaking another language, and then time stands still. You don't have a concept of time. And I don't know how long I was there worshiping God because it was wonderful. And then eventually I went to the cloakroom. I'm in Wisconsin in December, and you put on your coat and your scarf and your stocking cap and mittens. Gloves are too cold. And you get your mittens on. And I turned to somebody and said, isn't Jesus, I remember that, isn't Jesus wonderful? And my goodness, it came out in another language, and I just got embarrassed and ran out of church. And then the next day, the devil says, you're crazy. You know, what was that about yesterday? And so then that's a time when you need to uh, say, no, I'm not crazy. Uh, this is a gift from God. This is for me. And uh, you go on from there. And I went to college, and I majored in ping pong and minored in pool. <laughs> and I flunked out three semesters in a row. And they said, you're not college material. Well, I hadn't grown up. I, I, wasn't, I didn't drink, smoke. I didn't mess around. I was a virgin when I got married at 29 years and 11 months. Uh, I had enough Bible in me to realize, hey, you're going to reap what you sow. That, 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 just, that just, okay, it's 10 to 8. I'm watching the time. Oh, so let me just stop there a second. I got a really neat story. I got a lot of stories, and I got slides to show. You can bring up that slide thing. And um, so at about 8.30, I'm going to stop. I'm going to talk. And uh, by the way, I, I, I went to Germany in 1980. I did Kyle for work from the 60s to 1980. I had no concept, no interest, no desire to be a missionary. But one day, a person... Uh, spoke in our, the pastor spoke in our little church of 80 people and said, are you willing to go anywhere in the world for God? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Well, I've heard that a thousand times in my church. 
And it just hit me. Wow. And I talked to my wife about it. And she said, yeah, I, I, I don't remember what she's talking about. So it didn't hit her. And so I had her pray all week with me. And next Sunday after church, we'll go talk about this after church. And in those days, you're really poor. And we ate a lot of boxes of Kraft mac and cheese. You know those boxes of mac and cheese? Yeah. We ate a lot of that food. And um, the week, next week after church, after mac and cheese, uh, we went in the living room. And I said, Anita, are you uh, willing to go anywhere in the world for God? And she said, sure, Jesus is Lord. I said, well, let's try that again. So I asked her again three times, and she said the exact same words, and I gave up. And I thought, okay, she, did, okay. she didn't feel what I felt. So then uh, uh, we wouldn't tell anybody, and we'll see if God opens that door. And I'm German and Swedish background, and I'm not really, not really deep in... I'm not a real deep Christian. I like to say that I am, but I'm working on it. I've been working on it a long time, and God's really patient with me. I'm not fooling around trying to sin. That, that you don't do. You know, you have choices to make. You know, when you're going through life's road, young people, uh, if the light's green, you go through it. But if it starts flashing yellow, caution. And if it turns red, you stop. So what's my advice to you? It's so brilliant, I can't believe it. Don't sin. (laughs) Just don't sin. And people come up to me afterwards and say, that was brilliant. (laughs) Just don't sin. And and there's warnings that will help you. You don't want to pay the consequences. And so it's like, uh, uh, and so eventually God continued to open doors, and we saw an opening, an opportunity to go to Germany. And we went to Germany, and and, uh, it was incredible. And then at our very first meeting, I got 20 stories going here at the same time. My wife would be pulling her hair out. She's a linear person. I'm a circular person. She'd go, oh, I can't stand listening to you talk. That's why she's not here. And... um, she actually just flew in from Germany. We live in Heidelberg, Germany. And uh, wow, uh, I, I'm sitting in the front pew of this little tiny church that's, uh, that's maybe the size of this section. We're in the front pew, and it's my very first missionary meeting in November 1978. And I'm sitting next to her, and I said, and the, and the pulpit's right here. And I said, now, Anita, um, the very first meeting, I said, now, honey, uh, they're going to want to hear you talk. Share something. And she said, and she's a clinical pharmacist. Okay. And she learned Greek at age 19, just for fun. So she's, she's a little different. <laughs> and and uh, really. And, and she's from Western North Dakota, where 10 years of rainy year, kind of like West Texas. So she'd be right at home here. And uh, she said, well, I don't do that. You do that. I'm a clinical pharmacist. Uh, They're going to want to hear more from you, the ladies, than me. And she says, I don't do that. We're having a little crisis right here. And it's about time for me to go three steps and step up here and stand here. And uh, I said, man, Anita, this is our first meeting. Whoa. And and then uh, she said, okay. What if she said no? I don't know where we'd be today. I'm not sure. What if she said, no, 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 that's, that's you. I'm me. You're you. That's you. 
She got up there and she said the first words when I was nine years old at Camp Bentley as an American Baptist. When I was nine years old, God called me to be a missionary. What? I'm sitting there. You've never told me that. I'm lo- I can't said, we're going to talk when we, I, I couldn't believe it. So that's why she said, Jesus is Lord. I guess she said, uh, she just stood up there and said, when I was nine years old, God called me to be a missionary. And I, and boy, at the end of the meeting, we sat right back down there. I said, Nita, you explain this to me. And, and, but we lived in Madison, Wisconsin during the Vietnam era, and we tried to have the Vietnam War in Madison and Berkeley and Columbia, New York, read the history. And we had nitrate fertilizer bombs of fuel oil that blew sky high. People died. The, the, the scales in our chemistry lab never worked her entire career. They were just off by the Im- explosion the impact. And uh, she said, my goodness, I thought this was a mission field, which it was. And um, that's... So she's gone on, and um, she, we both, we've, together, we've flown with one airline five million miles. And she goes all over the world by herself. She's a little girl from a town of 600. If you're in a town of 600 in West Texas, you're a perfect candidate. And if you're something bigger, then you're in. And her classmates lived in sod huts. Not all of them, but some. Cool in the winter, warm in the summer. And all the school, all the school buses in North Dakota are four-wheel drive. Okay, so she's one one of us. Okay, she is. What am I saying? God's going to call people tonight, and your world is going to turn upside down this week or next week. And here's the key: trust Him. Trust God. The key is to trust God. Three minutes to eight. I better get going here. I better skip those other stories and just get going. So then we lived in Germany for 11 years. We had to learn German. We took our three and a half and one and a half year old uh, son and daughter that they're on that picture. And if you, if some of you got that picture, I, this is my 15th stop. This is my 23rd year of visiting these college groups in Texas. My 23 years in a row. And I've never been to San Angelo until this, this mid-morning. Okay. And I came from China, and I couldn't take anything out to China, so I brought, took some prayer cards to somebody that uh, stored them for me in San Antonio, and I have not handed these prayer cards out to any other group because I had so few, and you got them. And uh, that's it. That's all I have. And it's called a thing to pray for. And on the back, on the far, is a, a young lady, my daughter. She's bachelor BSN in nursing from Wisconsin, and that's Sarah. And her husband lived in Istanbul, Turkey. Before that, they lived in Kyrgyzstan. They're fluent in Russian, and they uh, led a training program for church planning. And they live in Istanbul today. And then on the far other end, I think, is Johnny with four kids, I think. And he's in charge of Chi Alpha for all of Germany. Our first language for all our family is German. Our second language is English, other than dad and mom. Because they all went to German schools. And then I have another daughter who married a German professor, Stephanie, who has a degree in violin performance. And she worked out in Sudan with her husband as newlyweds. She has two degrees in ethnomusicology. Look it up what that means. And then the tall guy is Christian and his MK wife. And she works for the Undersecretary of Defense in the Pentagon. And he works here and there. 
and that means I really don't know what they do. <laughs> and I've been gone, I st- and God told me, young people, God told me when I'm candidating, and I'm thinking about this in 78, 79, and he said, John, I'm going to send you all over the world. And I thought, whoa, what does that mean? And I thought, I'm not going to even tell Anita that. We'll have to just see if that works. And I, so I didn't tell anybody. But in 83, I took my first five-week trip to Nigeria and Ghana. And I've been traveling ever since 1983. Which means I've been gone from my family six months a year since 83. And my kids didn't get bitter. And they served God. They didn't go through teenage rebellion. And my wife was, uh, led, led the group. I never came home for a year. And I, we just stayed on the site in the front lines where God wanted us. So I've been all over. I have been all over. And my, and my uh, wife, is, as a pharmacist, would go on medical trips, and she'd take Johnny and Sarah with her. They're now 44 and 42. And uh, they were uh, maybe 14, 12, 15, 13, somewhere in there, and they'd go to Russia. They'd go to Siberia. And they'd do missionary trips in prisons. And my wife would talk to pharmacists and share the Bible. They'd never heard of God. So she started out with John 3.16. You know what John 3.16 is? Okay, for God so loved the world. I I hope you know that. If you don't, you need to know it. And you need to apply it and have it in your life. And and really mean it and, and, and have it touch your heart. So love that he gave. So that you could have. Thank God. And so she's sharing that with pharmacists in Siberia, in a Kuzbas region called Kemerovo and Krasnyarsk and Novokuznetsk and Novosibirsk and Tomsk and Omsk. It took me months to learn those names. All right? That's rolling off my tongue, but I worked hard to remember those names. They're all cities of a million. Away out on Siberia. And she started John 3.16, and they had no clue about even God. She said, John, I had to back up and start with Genesis 1-1 and talk about a God that created the heavens and the earth. She said, it took me 45 minutes to get to John 3.16. But by the time I got there, the tears were running down her faces. Now, she's talking to the chief pharmacists and 72 pharmacists, uh, workers at every state government communist pharmacy in this, in this city. And, and they're coming back and forth to her and asking questions. She's the chief, and Anita's there with a translator, and there's a lady standing there like this. And she's the chief of all the pharmacies in the city, and there's a lot of pharmacies in the city, over a million people. And uh, she's just watching all of this and listening to the translator, etc. And uh, when they got to the very last day, uh, my wife handed uh, the, tr- the government official and the translator some little packages, gifts that they brought. And, and the lady, that was a classy lady, she had high heels, a uh, 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 pretty lady in her uh, late 30s, early 40s, and uh, suit on, official looking. And then she said, and she, she never smiled the whole time. And she's arms folded, just watching the whole time. And it comes to the last day, and Anita hands these gifts, and the lady said, Now, uh, I have noticed that wherever we have visited two pharmacies a day for I don't know how many days, a lot of them, you handed them uh, 
a, a book. And she had figured out by now it was a Christian Bible. And so Anita's going, I did. And she's, oh boy. And the lady said, where's mine? And she found Christ. And she wrote a letter and sent a, a samovar in a canvas thing with a big bright red seals all over it. And she mailed it all the way to Brussels, Belgium, where he lived for 25 years. And it came in the mail one day. And I've saved the package. It's one of my precious treasures. The package, let alone the samovar with the lid on it, you know, to keep the hot tea, the stuff uh, uh, it's a, for drinking. It, it, it's, a, it's a big, like a mug, like a beer, st- a German, okay, it's a samovar. You can look it up, S-A-M-O-V-A-R. And uh, she wrote a letter and said, I read, I, read, I read the book. She said, my heart was so drawn to Jesus. That's the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's the power of the Word of God. You should be handing out the Bible. You should be ready to give the New Testament or the Bible to people. Please be ready. Or show them you verse or whatever on the internet. And she said, she said, who could ever make up a story like that? What a, what a, what a interpretation. Who could make up? That story so wonderful. Who could make that up? And I flew out to Siberia. And I met these women. And they were children of God. And they'll be in heaven. Wow. Well, my kids... They're out in, in uh, doing other stuff with other team people, not with an, my wife, Anita. And eventually they got to Moscow. Okay, five after eight. It's my enemy. And, uh, and they're in a hospice. And it's filled with people that are dying. And there's people there. Uh, there's a team there of doctors, nurses, eye doctors, you name it. And Anita's the pharmacist in the team. And she was somewhere else, but the, our kids were along with them. And they go in this hospice, and one of the men came to visit us. And he, he's the president of a, a oil uh, get, filling station company, and he's in charge of 3,000 filling stations. He's a big shot, okay? And he was one of the people along. He's an executive. And he said, John, he said, I was leaning against the wall holding my stomach. Because the stench of death in that room is so strong that I was fighting not to throw up. And he said, all the other big men were doing the same thing. But not Johnny and Sarah. They were going from bed to bed, laying their hands on the patients and praying for them in German. Now, do you understand? These are old people. And how? And they knew German. Why? World War II. They knew German. And so they were praying prayers of salvation and healing for these people. It's maybe the first and last prayer they ever... How precious! As young, young teens, preteen teen, each separately, bed to bed, laying their hands on these dying people praying. What a picture! I mean, serving God is a life. If you will trust him and give your life to God, I'm telling you, God's not boring. You are. 
You just give your life to him and see what he will do if you'll allow him to work in your life. Be that in this context of West Texas or wherever you're from, where the bulk of you will stay or go to the big cities, or if he might call you. And tonight I'm walking around praying and I'm thinking, and heavy on my heart is Laos and Vietnam and Cambodia, Thailand. Hey, boy, get going. Okay, next slide. I'll stop there. This is great. This is a missionary hymn. This is how we bring glory to God, by making his ways, his salvation known to all the earth. So all the peoples can praise you. My God, may God be gracious to us and bless us, which he does, and make his face shine upon us. So then, and the rest is us, may your ways be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations, and may the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Next, next slide. Well, here I am in a, a, a Buddhist temple in a real big country that's out in Asia. Real big. You can figure it out. And that's a fat Buddha. I took the picture. And they kneeled down on those cushions there. And they prayed to the Buddha. That's an idol. The, uh, uh, there's a whole row of them to the right that's behind. It's just a few feet down in the temple. And those are all baby Buddhas to try to inculturate the children to get into the habit of praying to the Buddha. And when we're standing there, my wife said, I feel the evil spirit so strong we have to move. She's American Baptist. We, we, in our Western uh, rationalistic scientific world, just don't have, we don't understand. But you talk to people from other countries of the world, and they'll say, I know full well what you're talking about. And so those same spirits try to rule over your campus and over this city and over this region of Texas. And there's spiritual warfare that's going on even to get you to not come tonight. And I'm sure there's people that should be here tonight that yielded and they didn't come. And for sure that happens before conferences. I always pray hard before a conference, knowing that there's warfare going on to keep people away from being at the conferences. So they have big candles on tables to the left you can't see, and everything's for sale. And the bigger the candle, and then you light it, and then that's the longer the prayer. You know, it's a kind of an automatic magic candle because this is all like kind of like magic. And you read in Isaiah about a piece of wood, and Isaiah is talking to the children of Israel who should know better. And he said, here's this piece of wood. This is Isaiah 44, starting in verse 8 or 9. And he said, one part you cut up and you have a fire to stay warm. And another part you use to cook meat. And then another part you take and you carve it and you measure it and you paint it and you, you worship it. So in essence, what the prophet's saying is, what are you doing? Well, what's our idols for today? Because we all have them. And God says, there'll be no graven images before me. And, and, he, and, the, and Isaiah said, and they don't see, they don't hear, and you worship them, 
And does the paste seem out of the same log as uh, making a fire and staying warm and cooking meat? Which your idols, folks. Next one. Well, here's what we should be. This is this guy that denied Jesus. This is a guy with a big mouth. Thank God we got him in the disciples. Because some of us have a big mouth. And we get in trouble with it all the time. And that was Peter. And then there's another guy named Thomas who doubted even after Jesus was crucified. Can I put my hands in your wounds? So they got a doubting person. That's, that helps some of us. Until he finally got it. And then Philip asked the next thing right after him. And then Jesus said, hey, wait a minute. I am the, remember John 14, 6? I am the, yeah, right. Always read the scripture in its context. Always read the scripture where it is at that moment. And try to picture what's going on at that time. So look at this. They scattered them after, after the Pentecost. They had to because they would have just stayed in the upper room. The devil would like you to be seven nights a week in these places. Don't go out there into the world and be salt and light. He's a defeated foe. He knows that when you start talking in the power of the Spirit, uh, he's shaking because he's been defeated. And so they were scattered. They were chosen. This is, this is for us, folks. Cleansed by the Holy Spirit. I underlined. That's the key thing tonight. Called to obedience, and I'd add trust in God, to Jesus Christ. Whoa, I'd rather be a dead sacrifice than a living one. Man, a living one's got to hurt. I mean, what does just that exactly mean? And how can we interpret that through the help of the Holy Spirit into our lives today? Because a lot of the world is praying, Maranatha. Jesus, come quickly. You may not be, but a lot of other people are. And I meet these people. And if you've not read a book like The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin, every one of you need to read that book. It's written by a Southern Baptist guy from the International Missions Board. It's published by Broadman and Holman, two of the anchor publishers. If you're Baptist here tonight, this is your stuff. You're also going to find the Holy Spirit all over that book because it's the age of the Spirit. You see, it's not the Father. It's not God the Father and God the Son in the Holy Bible. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And of course, the Bibles are anchor. Her prayers are anchor. But it's the age when the Holy Spirit is being outpoured. If you're hungry, Uh, religious people have God in a box with a ribbon around it on a high shelf. And every once in a while, they take God down and rub it or try to get some presence out of the inside. Uh, uh, so we try to live life and add on God. Uh-uh. Can't do that. I tried that for 25 years. And God and his patience hung around. And he could have said, oh, forget it. You don't add on God, friends. So, but we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Next slide. Well, 
Uh, can you see me in that picture? I'm in a city called Taiwan. Uh, I was in three cities recently. There were about 26 million people, three cities. Taiwan, uh, a 300 mile an hour train ride from Xi'an, where the Terracotta soldier warriors are. Xi'an has 1.3 million university students in one city. I invite you to Xi'an. I invite you. I'm staying. Can you see me? Anybody find me? What are we doing here? Fifteen minutes I got. See me? I'm standing down there at the base of those steps. You see me down there? I got my hand stretched out. Maybe it's too far away. I'm saying welcome. Welcome and come over here and teach English. Join the people that have been there over ten years from southern Missouri. Come over and invite and join the women, men. Eight out of ten in our missionary board are women. We're looking for men. Women don't witness to Muslims. That doesn't work. Figure it out. Come, men. Teach English. Any degree will qualify. And then you take TESOL. Do you know what TESOL is? Some of you do. Teaching English is a second language. It's a two-week course. It's online. I'm sure classes are offered here on the campus. And you can go over there and teach English. You'll get paid. Your budget will be $800 a month and raising some cash to get there. It's not a budget that's thousands a month. You will earn money you can put towards school debt. But get a hold of your school debt and don't let that become your idol. You don't buy everything else other people buy. Because you don't want to be handcuffed to that for 30, 40 years. You don't want to do that. But you are needed over there to teach English, and there's a contact, and they're praying right now. This is my 15th stop on this tour, my last stop. And I'm going to rejoin my wife I haven't seen since September 3rd on Friday. And on Monday, we depart for Europe. I'm talking to you. I'm saying, give up your small ambitions and trust God. Next picture. Next slide. We're in the image of God. That's what that means. The mission of God is to bring glory to his name. God the Father sent the Son. God the Father and the Son sent the Spirit. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are sending the church, and that's you and I, into the world. Because mission is seen as a movement from God to the world. Next slide. God is a calling and a sending God. There's, uh, this is from a book by Christopher Wright. This is not what I made up. This is what I copied from a book. They were sent, 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 sent. You came here to ASU? Is this ASU? You came to ASU, but you found Chi Alpha. You found people that obeyed and came to San Angelo. They left where they were and they came here. 
This is my 15th stop of being from people that all came from Huntsville, Texas. Did you hear that? And 23, 23 years ago, I was talking to their leader, Eli Gotrol, and God spoke to me like Christopher Scroggins said. And I started to shake. He said, I'm called to France. And I started to shake, and I don't shake. And I said, God is calling you to stay here, not go to France. I've never told anybody before or after not to go to the mission field. That's treason. I've never done that before or since. I said, you stay in Huntsville and be a sending agency. And that's exactly what's happened. And so I'm at 15. There's many more than that. From, of all places, Huntsville? Or of all places, San Angelo? Who are they? Right? That's how God operates. I said, this is so typical God. I mean, who else would try to save the world with 12 men? I mean, that that wouldn't be a strategy. That's crazy. But that's what he did. Okay, let's go on. So what does the call of God look like? I'm going to read some notes from a book by an incredible woman. And uh, her and her uh, her husband, uh, Jim Elliott, and four other men. And they gave their lives to the Aka Indians in Ecuador in the jungles. And there were photos in the Life magazine, which is the magazine in USA in this era. It was a front page story. And there were spear-ridden bodies laid on sandbars in this river. And eventually, Rachel Saint and Elizabeth Elliot went back and led the murders of their husbands to the Lord. That's the power of God. We would have gone and with an airplane and machine gunned them. No, they went back. So here's from a book. You read that. You guys can read. You're in college. You guys read, and I'm going to read, okay? A Slow and Certain Light by Elizabeth Elliot on the Guidance of God. He cannot make his will known unless you're listening. Got that? He can't make his will known unless you're listening. Nine times out of ten, the call comes through human beings. That's the way it happened most of the time in the Bible. I'm reading from a book called A Slow and Certain Light by Elizabeth Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T. When we're obedient to the things we know, then God can get our attention to show us the things we don't know. I hope you're tracking with me. I have seven minutes to go. You see the need. A dream a sermon, a talk with someone, news, intercession. The more you feel inadequate, the more he can be glorified if you're willing to go and be trained. You establish winning patterns in your lives. You begin with a willingness and then look for faith and obedience. Those are the people being called. Faith and obedience, trusting God. I'm talking to you tonight. I'm here because God wants me here tonight. I'm an old man, and I love being here, and I hope that Christopher invites me back next year, and I'll be older. Because God wants you, and you need God. And the world is crying out for you to arrive and share and show them 
and communicate to them Jesus Christ. I've stood in a tower in Yanji, China, and at my feet was a river, and I'm looking at North Korea. I turned to my left in this observation tower, and there is Russia. Russia, North Korea, and China in one corner. You think this isn't fun? You think this isn't adventure? I've walked in the streams of Congo. The jungle is so thick and impossible and impassable. I'm walking streams because I can get through because I'm walking in the stream. Forget the leeches, forget the snakes. And I'm walking to villages of pygmy, of the pygmy tribes. And I'm going to crouch down. I have pictures of this in an old format called slides. And I'm sharing Jesus with people that have never heard about Jesus in their life. You can't top that. You can't top that, folks. Because before you know it, you'll be my age. And that five-stall garage, and that Hemi Dodge, and that 700 horsepower, whatever, doesn't cut it. Because idols will never satisfy you. Read The Counterfeit God by Tim Keller. Read The Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller. And let God, allow God to please grip your heart. You walked in here tonight, precious young people. You are in God's house, even if we're in a classroom on the university. And when you walk in here to meet with God, even though you're looking for your future wife or husband, I would be. I would be. That's just real. But you walked in here, and you're not going to leave the same. Because God's here. Every time you meet, you come with this faith and hunger and expectation that God is going to do something in your life. Please. Your time is too valuable. And I honor you for coming tonight. So, the more you feel inadequate, the more he can be glorified. So, do you, are you willing to go? He, do you see a need? I saw a need in Germany. I said, I don't know I can love much beyond my own nationality, background of German and Swede. But I'll do that. And is there anything going there? And I found that there's nothing going like what you want to do. I found the city with the most university students. It was Munich. I said, I'm going to see how other things line up, like a church where people could go where they don't think the people are crazy. Because most people never been in a church. They don't even know the vocabulary of a Christian. And all the things lined up. And I said, God, I think that's the place. So you keep walking in faith, and there may be walking toward a wall, and you're looking for a door, and all of a sudden a door appears, and God made that door. I am praying that people are going to have their life transformed tonight like they never imagined when they came here tonight. And so at 8.30, I'm going to invite you to pray in your small groups I'm going to invite you to respond to what I'm saying. We can call it the altar. We can call it sitting where you are. You can go sit alone somewhere. But you're on. Holy Spirit speaking, but you're going to be on. It'll be your turn. It's called participation. It's called decision time. I'm not going to make you do anything. But you say, God, is there something? Am I willing? Make me willing. If I'm not a Christian, I want to be a Christian, Lord. That's what I came here tonight. 
you might wind up standing in front of that very building in Taiwan, China. I'll come and visit you. You can go be a barista in Chengdu, China, where we have Christian coffee shops that obviously aren't called Christian coffee shops in China. I, can, I, I, won't, I won't give you a city, I'll give you a country. I have no regrets of what I've, how I've spent my life. Okay, let's go down a few slides, go down to the uh, things, go down to where do we go, 100 largest unreached people groups. There you go, you're fast, good. An unreached people group refers to an ethnic group without an indigenous self-propagating Christian church movement. Roughly almost 2 billion people, a quarter of the population of the world. Workers needed 37,000. This is from Joshua Project. Next slide. Uh, next slide. Yeah. This is uh, the Joshua Project website. You can go on Joshua Project, find it, and you can have an unreached people group new every day. Joshua Project. Next one, please. Can we commit our hearts to those unseen people who are totally without hope? Next slide. Look at the world population. Since 1900, it's doubled. Look at that pop. The blue one is the population. It's over 7 billion people. It's going straight up. Christianity is falling behind. Next slide. Here's unreached people. That's the red dots in the Middle East and North Africa. You can see the population. You can see the countries. You can see the number of people groups. You can see the number of unreached people groups. What does that say? 68%? The population, a quarter of a billion. And a percent of population unreached, 70%. Look at that. I'm out in those countries. It's your turn. You go out to Libya. You go out to Morocco. You go out to Algeria. You go out to Tunisia. You go to the Atlas Mountains and minister to the Berber tribes. Am I angry? No, I'm not angry. I'm saying, get on board. Get on board and get unboard. God is filled with adventure. You know what? It's 829, so that's it. We're not done, but it's 829. Now I'm going to read you something. And when I get through reading this, uh, I'm going to say, Stan, and I'm going to say, please, please, join your small groups. Come to the altar, and I dare you to trust God. There's nothing on this earth that can satisfy you like the will of God. I'm, trust me. Nothing. Now I'm going to read you a story, and then, it, and then you're on. Okay? Here we go. You hear a knock at the door. You open the door, and there's Jesus. But something's different. He's not like the paintings you've seen of him. He's standing there wearing a backpack. He says, I'd like to come in for just a few minutes. I don't have long, and I'm on, I'm on the move, but we need to talk. So I invite him in. 
And he may roam through the, a few of the rooms and he makes observations about the dust and the disarray. But you could tell there's something else on his mind. And he invites you to sit down with him in the living room. And he reaches in his backpack and he pulls out a Bible and a map of the world. And first he goes through the Bible and talking to you about the purposes of God that stretch back to all the way to Abraham and before. Purposes that kept in view all the nations. Redemptive purposes to cover the earth with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. And he talks to you about what he's done to bring those purposes to victory and fulfillment. He made peace by his blood that he shed on the cross. He tells you that all things on earth will be summed up in him. And then he unrolls a world map. And he talks to you about various places in the world where there are peoples who have not yet heard this wonderful message, who have not yet met him. And he shares his burden for the world's situation as it currently stands. And all he wants to do through his church. Then, he closes his Bible. He rolls up the map. And he sticks them both back into his backpack. And he looks at you and he says, Tonight. Now I'd like you to find your backpack and search the rooms of your house. Pack up the things you're sure you'll need. And you follow me right to the ends of the earth. Follow me. So you pick out the food, the reading material, the clothes, the things in your life that are absolutely essential in following Christ to the ends of the earth. Wherever he wants to go, you want to be with him in whatever he wants you to do. In light of what he's just shown you in his book and on his map, And before you can fill your backpack, you notice he's already standing at the front door. He's on his way out. Spirit of God, speak. So you load the bundle on your back and you head out the front door. And as you turn to shut the door, you throw away the key because you're never going back again. You're never going back again. Stand. Come join me at the altar. Come join me at the altar, please. Come. Find your small groups. Find your small groups. It's your turn. I made this decision. Long, long time ago. And he's saying, just leave the keys at the place. Trust. So God, Lord of the harvest, Jesus Christ, speak to every person here. Capture their hearts 
and their attention. You that hung on the cross, what you didn't want to do, what you did for you and I. And Lord, what you did, we want to do. And we're scared and we, we're, we're trying to figure this out. And I'm even trying to figure out my own life. But God, you made me in your image and you're going to help me. So I pray, God, that you'll speak to my heart now. Or I'll go find somebody that will pray with me I can talk with. But God, speak to me now. Show me a country. Show me a people. Show me San Angelo. Show me the dorm room. Show me a classroom. But God, I want to give myself to you. Speak to me now, Lord. I pray in your name. Thank you, God. Just talk to him. He's listening. He's been waiting for you to come and talk to him. You can trust him. You can trust him.